Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody. Happy New Year. I hope you brought in the new year in style and you're ex- as excited as I am for 2024. Hey, the fourth Amazon Collective Mastermind is being held in March on the 22nd, 23rd and 24th, this time in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. And it's being sponsored by multi-currency solutions provider, World First, and Australian e-commerce accountants, Intrepid Advisory. So to join us, Fee Suter, and international VIP guests, including Paul Harvey, simply head over to the australianseller.com forward slash collective to learn more and to apply. Now, this week, I chat with the amazing Fee Suter who you might know from her onstage appearances at the Southern Cellar Fest. Now, I actually recorded this chat with Fee a couple of weeks ago, so some of the dates and the references to next year refer to this year. Anyway, Fee's an Australian Amazon seller who only started selling in 2020, and she's already making over $100,000 a month in profit. Today, she breaks down her journey from changing her mindset to the highs and lows of dealing with everything that Amazon and the world has thrown at her along the way. Now, don't forget to join my Facebook group. Simply head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook. Still offering private coaching, so please head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Chris to book an hour with me. And if you own or work for a consumer products brand and need some help running or setting up your Amazon business, feel free to get in touch. I have a new agency. It's amosphere.com.au, and we're an official Amazon service provider. That's it. Let's get on with the show with Fee Suter. Welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast. And today I am totally, totally, totally thrilled to welcome to the microphone, Fee Suter. How are you, Fee? Oh, hello, Chris. How are you? I'm really good. Our paths have crossed many times over the years. We, mm. I think the first time we met was probably at the Amazon Collective um, back in March. I think it was a 2023 Maybe. Or, or was it 2022, perhaps? Might have even been 22. Yeah, I, I think just, it was last year, actually. Yeah, it would have been last year. I'm already a year ahead of myself. Time <laughs> <laughs> goes fast, doesn't we it? Didn't, I don't think we did a collective this year in March. Maybe we did. I can't remember. Yeah. We've done four. So I was at the first one. That's what I remember. The very first one. So that yes. was definitely March. Yeah. And then, of course, we've caught up at a few events over the years as well. And this mm. year, I think we, you know, we saw each other up at the Southern Cellar Fest and a few other little bits and bobs Our as well. Our do keep crossing. They sure do. And they've done it again today. So it's really exciting to have you on the show. Hey, you're, how was your experience at the Amazon Collective? It was brilliant. You know, I mean, I always love going to live events within the Amazon community to connect with other sellers. But the thing I loved most about the Collective was that it was a smaller group of people. So yeah. you, you're having really um, good interactions with people where you can get into great conversations, whether that be within the actual class setting where we're, we're learning and we've got our learning hats on, but even whether it's, you know, over dinner or where we went for walks, you end up having these great conversations, you know, whether it's related specifically to the business or whether it's to do with mindset, just connecting with high-level individuals that are really switched on for me is so invaluable. Isn't it awesome? I, you know, I, I, my favourite bit is actually when everybody's introducing themselves around the room and, you know, some people tell you what their products are. I mean, we all sign NDAs and, you know, mm-hmm. everybody that's there is at a level where they just don't have time or the inclination to want to sell somebody else's product or steal a product idea. So um, it, that level of sharing is fantastic. And then um, it's just, yeah, the introductions and then the problem solving starts straight away. 
Yes. But someone else across the room will say, oh, I had that problem last week or last year and this is how I fixed it and all of a sudden um, it starts pretty quickly, doesn't it? And we really start. And like you're saying, to be able to sit and talk specifically about your business you know, where people can have a look at what's going on or you can, like you say, talk specifically about maybe having a problem with a product or something about your account and to be able to talk freely and openly where there's that environment of trust is really invaluable. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your regular conference anyway, is it? Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, I, You know, I, I came away with not just, you know, a whole bunch of learning but some really solid friends and mentors within from that circle as well. Mm. I'm still thrilled that Bradley Sutton voted it his favourite Amazon event ever. Well, his second favourite. Behind <laughs> 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 Pakistan. Amazing. Isn't that great to have that? Yeah. So yeah. some wonderful feedback. We've had some amazing guests over the years. We've got some good ones coming up too in March next year. So, um, yeah, super excited. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about you okay. uh, in more detail. I want to hear your story about <laughs> something on Amazon. So come on, give us the guys. Like when did you start? Why did you start? What were you doing before you even started? Yeah, so if we, we cast ourselves back to 2008, I was actually a school teacher and um, wow. had, had been, so I never used to have an entrepreneurial fire within my belly and, you know, a couple of things were going on for me. One, I had reached the peak of the teaching salary at 35 yeah. and, um, you know, had gone as far as you could go and also I'd had children and um, I wanted to be able to parent on my own terms. So I was looking for something to do and I knew that it was going to be related to the internet because that would give me the freedom to be able to work from anywhere, anytime, any place. Yeah. And um, one thing led to another. I started with affiliate marketing and then through that I learned about SEO and website development and then friends and friends of friends were saying, hey, well, can you do this for my business? Oh, okay. So before I knew it, I had this consulting business. Um, And then I went into coaching and and other other business owners on how to do their in-house content marketing. It just kind of snowballed into this beautiful position that led me to a conference uh, once where I was exposed to the idea of Amazon. Mm. And um, what attracted me to the idea of Amazon was although I had this successful consulting business, without me, there was no business. So really, I didn't have a business. I'd created a job for myself, which was brilliant. It gave me a lot of flexibility and I'd far uh, exceeded what I could have ever earned as a teacher. Mm. But what I wanted was an asset that I could build and then have that big exit. So once I saw the opportunity of Amazon, which was late 2018, I knew I'd found what I was looking for. And so I jumped headfirst <laughs> into it. Um, yeah. And 2019 really was the year of learning. Um, mm-hmm. I was a very good student. I followed all the steps, step by step. I researched. I went to Canton Fair and was like wow. a deer in headlights there because at that point I had no idea what I was going to sell or even what my brand was. Yeah. Um, and then launched eventually in 2020 with my first product. What was the uh, the course of the conference that you were at in 2018? Uh, it was to go and see Gary V. Um, I, I sort of fan over him. I like like what his message was, especially at that time. I'm not so don't watch him so much now, but at the time mm. he was somebody that I really looked up to. So I'd just gone to fangirl him, and really I took my laptop that day and I was working while all the other speakers were were speaking and presenting. I wasn't interested in them. I was just sitting there patiently waiting. And of course, Gary V was the last person to come on. Yep. Um, but then a speaker came on to talk specifically about Amazon, and I just found myself hearing little 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 phrases and words and I was finding myself being distracted from work and looking up mm. and the more he spoke the more I thought oh what's this 
and mm. and it became clear to me with all the accumulated skills that I'd gathered over the years, even even so far as teaching, yeah. and then the digital and the content and the SEO, and I was thinking, maybe this is it. Maybe this is where I can bring everything together and build that asset. Yeah, the because um, I think I went to that same event. It was it. Did you go to the one in Melbourne? No, it was the Sydney one. So maybe oh. it was the same tour. <laughs> <laughs> I think it must have been the same tour. Yeah. Oh, I had to sit through all those get rich quick speaking. Yeah, people. yeah. That's <laughs> just before Gary came. people with their packages, and I honestly, I was kind of yeah. laughing as I was handing my credit card details over for the course because I was thinking, "Oh my God, I've so been done. I came yeah. here promising myself that I was just here for Gary, and here I am buying this course." But little did I know that that was going to be a pivotal moment in my life that would completely transform the the direction that I was going. So I, I'm really, really ga- glad and grateful to Gary that he got me in that room. <laughs> he was the man. He uh, The other thing, of course, was the, you know, in 2018, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's too late to start selling on Amazon, which I thought was mm. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, well, it's I didn't know that. I, I, I mean, obviously the, the person on stage wasn't sort of telling me that side of it. Mm. Um, but I just had this belief that I could do it. You know, yeah. it was just this, this inner knowing that this was, this was the vehicle that I'd been looking for. So what category, what did you, I'm not going to ask you what you ended up selling, but um, what category did you end up sort of in, picking? Well, funnily enough, of course, it's no surprise being an ex-school teacher, I went into the children's category because no, I understood I, it, right? But, yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a mother of three, mm-hmm. um, I understood it because I'd spent over a decade teaching kids. So I not only did I understand uh, the kids and what drives them and what they like, I also understood the parents and the grandparents and all the adults in their life and what would drive their purchasing decisions. Um, so between my own personal experience and my um, experience as a teacher, it became the, the ideal category for me to sell in. Fantastic. And then I'm assuming because you're in Canton that you sourced out of China, is that what you've yes, made. I did. Yeah, yeah. and mm. in fact, the, I still use the supplier I met on that first product that I launched. I still sell, and yep. I'm still with that supplier. So you kind of touched on how you've sourced. Well, we've got the sourcing out of the way. I'm sorry, but the product <laughs> research side of things. So what uh, you know, is it toys or I mean. What, what sort of things are we looking at, educational aids or something like that? Yeah, so look, it started out as as decor stuff um, and, and it was more I was looking at the gifting side of things. Um, but then I launched with that sort of more decor gift product and then COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, looking back in retrospect and I look at the people who did well through COVID are those that were able to pivot to the circ- to the environment and the circumstances we were in, yeah. and you know, I launched in sort of mid January, and by early March, it was obvious that our world was changing, and so I I thought to myself, what am I going to need to do with this business? You know, how can I pivot to ensure that I can survive in whatever's coming our way? Yeah. And so I decided to pivot more into DIY crafts. And things that kids could do at home because I thought, okay, kids are going to be stuck at home all over the world, millions of kids, and parents are going to be looking for things for these kids to do to keep yep. them occupied. Yep. So still keeping the gifting concept but changing the, the direction of the product. So I really nailed down into that DIY crafts um, idea. What a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was. You know, the business grew and grew and grew and grew. Like I yep. – you know, I, I look back and I, you know, in probably one of the most challenging times of our world in, in modern history, mm. um, I was able to flourish and 
build a, you know, a, a very substantial business in the space of, you know, very short time. So did you have to launch your products or anything like that or not? In terms of when you say... Well, just sort of getting them ranked for the keywords and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. well, as I say, you know, I was a very good student. I had the course. Yep. (laughs) And I followed things step by step. I I registered for webinars with the Guru Shwamis and, and listened to what they were suggesting to do. I just kept digging. I was just determined to find a way because I literally did throw the cat in with the wash with this. Like I threw every bit of, you know, every bit of um, savings that I had, I closed down my other business and I worked full time Yeah, because I thought, you know, I I didn't want to do it half-baked and didn't want to risk not getting it right. So I just, I just took a risk and the risk paid off. So yeah, I, I followed all the launch strategies. I followed, uh, you know, I did my own PPC for the first six months, yep. um, learned, I mean, and that was the most challenging part for me because I'm not a data-driven person whatsoever. <laughs> um, but, you know, I followed to the letter, the the launch campaigns for PPC, the, mm-hmm. the gold mining that I'd heard about, you know, to find those, those smaller, less um, less looked for words that you can put the really low bids on, and some of those those campaigns did really well for me. But it didn't yeah. get to the point where um, the business started growing, and it was requiring too much of my mental energy. Given that it didn't do, it wasn't my natural ability. So I did bring on a um, an agency after about seven months to to run just the PPC, PPC or the whole yeah. show. No, yeah, just no. the PPC. Yeah. All right. Um, you still with them? Yes, I am. Good. Wow, yeah. that's loyal. That's yeah. fantastic. They must yeah. be doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a it's a very strong relationship that one, and you know it's it's mm. one of the things that um, I know has been a, a strength of pillar in my business. Chris is relationships. Um, yeah. It's something that I I understand intuitively that it it takes conscious effort to build relationships and trust, and when you've got trust, then you get loyalty. And so whether it be with the agencies that I work with or whether it be my suppliers, Mm. um, I have extremely strong relationships. And because of that, they are very, very loyal to me and will bend over backwards to help me, you know. And and, and with any business, you go through highs and lows. And I've certainly had my lows. I've had my challenges. I've had Mm. some very scary moments. And that's when you see who's got your back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a. I think at the collective uh, last year was a lot to do with cash flow for you. I think from memory. Mm. So it was just really just being able to sort of feed the feed the beast. Yeah, exactly. You know, it it, it is yeah. it is very tough when I mean it, it's a, it's a great problem to have, but when you've got a business that is like a express train sort of bolting down the track and you're kind of chasing it. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that becomes apparent if if you're self funded is is cash flow because how do you have enough order money to place the bigger and bigger and bigger orders when you've got when that money's tied up in stock that's sitting on ships? You know, it's yeah. So that's where yeah. for me the suppliers really came into help because you know I was able to negotiate some incredible payment terms yeah that's um, so important yeah yeah they, they became like a bank for me in some ways so there was no 30 and 70 percent for me it was 10 percent deposit mm. and then 40 percent on landing and the rest of it was you know four yeah. weeks eight weeks after so that, you know that's that was a, a huge win enabled that enabled me to grow yeah yeah that's huge. I'm really hoping that Yvonne, who's my sourcing agent, done a bit of sourcing for um, Regina in the past as well, can make the collective because she that's exactly what she does for right. us, right. Um, where she negotiates with suppliers to on our behalf in China, obviously, 
to to get those sorts of terms where and in some cases um, she's got sellers that are because they're selling quite a lot or they're purchasing a lot from those suppliers in China um, they're on just 90 days so they it already arrives in Amazon. They've already sold half that stock before they have to pay a cent. Yeah. So, you know, that stuff just enables you to completely turbocharge your growth and your trajectory yeah. of growth. Yeah, Absolutely. crazy stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. really amazing. Um, the pandemic's over now. What what happened to your sales when you, when the, when that started to ease and lockdowns lockdowns yeah, started look, to I'll I'll be honest and say that this year's been a tough year, um, and I. I was starting to wonder if it was just me and then having come to sell a Southern Seller Fest, speaking with other sellers, it's not it just seems you. <laughs> that the last six months in particular has been a really tough year and I, you know, and I know some very, very big sellers in my category um, and they were experiencing similar things to me. Um, yep. I had started to worry that, oh, my gosh, now that this pandemic is over and my business has had a big ta- downturn. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was just determined not to give up and to ride through this this storm. Mm. And, you know, this last couple of weeks, um, it's been really reassuring to see that not only am I recovering, that in many marketplaces I'm between 40 to 70% up on the same period last week, last, last year. year. Wow. So um, I'm hoping that's a signal that, you know, I know it's Christmas, but the fact that I'm showing growth from last year, it's not just a, a, you know, yeah. a, a Christmas Rush, Spike, yeah. Um, it, it's giving me encouragement that mm. perhaps there's going to be a turnaround. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you have those kind of downturns and you've committed to big orders because you're expecting it to continue in the type yeah. of growth that um, you know you've you've experienced the year before, then of course that places a, a lot of strain on your cash flow as well. So yeah, uh, it has been challenging. But once again, this is where my agency and the director of my agency has just been the most incredibly powerful pillar of strength for me to help me get through this. Um, my suppliers as well, they've really had to take a lot on, the sh- you know, their shoulders to sort of help me mm. get through. Um, but we're getting through and I'm excited <laughs> and I know that, you know, it's also about once again pivot, you know. Yep. So the marketplace that I've seen the biggest drop is the US and mm. so I was thinking, yeah. okay, so – what I've done is um, launched in in Europe, and yeah, in that Singapore. was my next question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just thought, okay, so you know, that's the marketplace that really got slammed. So I've gone into Europe and mm. only been live there seven weeks, and I cannot believe how fast that has picked up. Yeah. I've been live in Singapore um, only for five days, but already the sales there are outstripping what I did in Europe in the first period of time. So that's showing me that perhaps that could end up being quite a strong market. I'm also looking at Japan because I'm just thinking where else can I go where I'm not going to have that same level of competition, that same level of people ripping off my products, which is what happens. (laughs) Um, So it's it's just a matter of pivoting yet again. I've also gone into an omni-channel approach this year and Mm -hmm. um, selling on eight different marketplaces, um, some of those in Australia and some of those worldwide. Mm. Um, And that is another part of the business that's starting to pick up and show steady growth week on week on week. So um, whilst it's been a tough year in Amazon US, I've managed to find ways of spreading the risk. And I think that's the important thing is that, Mm. you know, it's important to it's important to not rely on one main source, yep. you know, uh, to prop your business up because if that main source falls apart like it had 
me in the last six months in the US, yeah. then you, you, you're, you're in trouble, right? So That's right. Um, thankfully, I already had some of these, you know, new channels in play and my plans for expanding into Europe has been, you know, um, it's taken about a year to get that done. So that mm. was already in play and only only launched about seven weeks ago. So launching in these other places is, is what has really helped to sort of give the business a bit more of a solid yeah. base in, in terms of turning it around. Yeah. Uh, who are also Collectivites, um, same thing. Like I manage their Amazon account in the US and mm-hmm. my God, it's down easy. It's it's down a lot. Yeah, yeah. From, from <laughs> this time like last year. We don't about the big numbers, do we? But, um, no. Yeah, <laughs> they were d- double digit and they were high, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, you know, that's um, it's been a really, really challenging year for them as well. But they, they've got a very similar thing happening where, you know, they sell in Australia as well, so it's going pretty well here. And You know, Australian, my Australian market is my strongest Mm. And in profit profit margin, I have the lowest ACOS and tacos oh, in, yeah. here in Australia. So, uh, you know, anyone who's thinking about Austra- Australia and thinking it's too small a market, it does take time to build up. You're not going to have the same no. um, quick wins as you, you can potentially get in the US. It's, mm. it's a slow and steady as it goes marketplace, but <laughs> yes. um, it is solid growth and great profit margins. Yeah, it is. I love Australia. Mm. Um, Speaking of launching products, I uh, I helped one of my clients well launch one of his products uh, in October, which is some freeze dried candy, and we have I've got him ranking for that search term, which is like a four hundred thousand search volume a month keyword, <laughs> and he's ranking yeah. top three, top yeah. five at least, yeah. and he's selling like five. Uh, I think the biggest day was close to five hundred units, so. You know, wow, that's amazing! Um, yeah, it's like ten. What are they? Twenty-seven bucks each or something? Twenty-eight bucks? Yeah. Wow, so, that's amazing incredible. stuff. Yeah, yeah, so I'm actually looking at selling freeze-dried candy to them <laughs> here in Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there's no freeze-dried candy on Amazon Australia at the moment, so um, okay. I've found a little supplier in Australia. I'm just gonna. I might chop this bit out of the podcast. I don't know whether I'll keep it in or not, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a crack at it. I've just got to get ungated in grocery, but we're way off topic here. Um, I want to unpack this marketplaces side of things for you. Mm. We, so you mentioned Europe, obviously. Are, you, yep. are we talking the UK only or are we in Germany and France, Italy, Spain? I've those? been in the UK since 2020, but in terms of EU countries, mm. um, that was just seven weeks ago. And I started preparing and planning for U- EU last November. Yeah, wow. I had no idea. No <laughs> what you were idea getting yourself into. The can of worms that I was going yeah. to open because oh. not only is EU tricky for non-EU um, companies, being um, in the, the children's space obviously opens up another whole can of worms. Oh, better compliance does. is mm. ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, and I thought I because I'd already all my clients are compliant for you know US and and Canada and Australia and UK so I didn't think it was going to be that much heavy lifting to 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 work out the compliance for um Europe Europe. Yeah. The issue with Europe is it's not treated as Europe it's treated as all the individual countries and they I all know. have their, their own, own individual yeah. um you know labels that you've got to have on the packaging they've all got the, you know the different recycling things yeah. and the, the warning labels yeah. and, and the we and the EPR and <laughs> yeah. the this and the that and the then EPR, the fiscal right. representation and then you've got to have, you know, oh, look, it, it took a year. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. How many products have you got sort of in Europe versus, say, the uh, the US? Like is that – do you have them even and no, running alongside? No, I just took or? my best sellers to Europe. There was no yeah. point. Um, I just took a half of them. Um, 
to. So how many the, how many products do you have in your entire catalog? <laughs> not many. <laughs> it's only nine at the moment. Well, it was nine, and then I'd launched five during Q4. Mm. Um, Gosh. But this year, I developed twenty seven products. Oh uh, my lord! And yeah, and they're all they're all original designs from the ground up that involved a lot of a lot of um, specialist mm-hmm. designs and I've got patents in for them. So it, it's mm-hmm. been an expensive year from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but then because of the downturn and the cash flow um, tightening, mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't able to launch them all. So I picked I picked five. Um, yep. but it also means now I've got a lovely pipeline for next year. <laughs> you sure do. Yeah. Tell me, um, just on the patent side of things, because I'm always interested in IP, where did you get the patents? Uh, so that I'm, I've got an IP lawyer in the in the in India that does all of my drawings yeah. and and the writing of the applications and um, their patents are going for uh, US only. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So last week I was uh, released a podcast and I was chatting to Jacqueline and she we were talk, kind of talking about um, patents and IP protection and stuff like that mm. and I was telling her that I ended up getting. IP protection and patent protection in China, where our product is being, my next product is being sourced from. And it costs like 550 bucks. And we can use that patent to prevent any Chinese sellers or, you know, vendors selling to any, you know, leaving the border if they've copied our idea. So if we see that, you know, our, a copy of our product pop up in a marketplace somewhere or somewhere else in the world, we can actually stop it at the source and we can do it kind of cheap. So Yeah, look, I mean, that's a great idea and I probably should, will be talking to my <laughs> IP lawyer about that. The yeah. other thing that I've learned about the patents is don't go for an express patent. Just put it in as a normal one because then it just says patent pending and they don't know what exactly you've protected. You've, you've got Because, it. you know, even with a patent, it's not, it's not a foolproof. Like people can no. sort of find a variation to get around whatever it is that you're doing the patent on. Mm. So it's better to keep it blind for as long as you can and put patent pending and then they don't know exactly what it is you've done. And so it just buys you that little bit of extra time of protection. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And get you a few more reviews under your belt and get you into a sort of a market leading position. Yeah. Yeah. Please do not, people, if, you, if you're listening and you're thinking about doing this, do not put patent pending on your listings on Amazon if you don't have a patent pending. Mm. Don't do that. You'll get in trouble. Uh, I want to talk to you about mindset next. Mm. Can we do that? That's my favorite topic. <laughs> yeah. Because that was something that you talked about. In fact, you will be talking about that at the next Amazon Collective, won't you? I'm hoping. I'm, I, I absolutely, I will. If, if that's what's, re- what's requested, <laughs> I could talk all day about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're also. I think you're on stage as well at the Southern mm. Cell Fest, talking about something close to this too. So, yep. um, talk to us about mindset. Like, what what has been your shift in mindset that's enabled you to have all the success on Amazon? And yeah. So, life? you know, I I mean, I've, I was already on this journey, I guess, as I sort of started entering into the Amazon world, but. You know, as 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 I've progressed, I've learned that you can learn all the strategies and all the tactics from all the guru swamis and follow them to the letter. Mm. But if you are, if you have self limiting beliefs or self sabotage behaviours, which mm. most of us do, then it's highly likely you will not reach the destination you are after. Mm. And so, for me. Um, as I've gone through the highs and the lows of my Amazon journey, it became very clear to me that this journey was very much about who I had to become in order to reach the goals that I wanted to reach. Mm. Um, so, for example, um, 
you know, I spoke at Southern Cellar Fest and one of the examples I gave was, you know, I'd written down as an affirmation and put it in my bedroom on the back of my toilet door and in my office that I now mm. earn $100,000 per month USD thanks to my Amazon business. And I had that up and I would look at it every day, several times a day, and I caught myself out looking at it about five or six months into the journey. Mm. I looked at it as I was walking through the room and it was a split second thought that was, but you probably won't achieve it. Oh. And I caught it because I'd been doing a lot of work on becoming more conscious in my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so we have these thoughts all day, every day, but most of the time we don't catch them or we don't, we're not aware that we're actually speaking mm, um, in self-limiting or self-sabotage ways mm. to ourselves. But this day I caught it and I was like, oh, do I really believe that? And when I sat down and thought about it, I thought, yeah, there's a part of me that thinks that I can't do it. Mm. And then I had to do the digging. Well, why is that? What, what's going on here? And, you know, over the space of a couple of weeks, I was able to uncover that from a very early age as a child, I had developed a mindset and a belief that success and money was something other people had mm. because I didn't see it necessarily within my family. There was a, very, there was a conversation around lack and can't have and can't afford. And although I was at a very wealthy uh, private school, I was one of the have-nots there. And so as a little wow. girl in my little mm. girl mind, I had decided that all these little girls that had these big McMansions and going on all these international holidays and had all the fancy clothes, that that was something other people had that I didn't have. That's right. Know? And it mm. wasn't that I felt victim to it. It was just this belief system that I, I, I was carrying. And here I was mm. in my late 40s at the time, still thinking at a deep level unconsciously that that's yeah. how it was going to be. So I had to then really unravel all of that and rewire those thinkings. Mm. So, yeah, that's just one example of something that is, was really important in my Amazon journey because potentially if I hadn't rewired that belief system, then there's no way I would have ever have reached that 100,000 and gone far beyond it. That's fantastic. But how did you rewire your mindset around Ooh, those? That's <laughs> what's, the, what's the sort of the secret to doing that? Because I, I know that everybody everybody has those self-limiting beliefs at some mm -hmm. point, maybe except mm -hmm. for Gary V. <laughs> but um, but um, you know, what was it? What was it? Was it a mantra? Was it meditation? How did yeah, you... it's all of the above. I mean, the first mm. step is consciousness about it, right? Mm. And and to be able to and becoming consciously aware starts with practices such as meditation or mm. um, journaling, where mm. you're starting to really bring to the conscious mind all those conversations and that chitter chat chat that goes on constantly all day, every day that. Where we're not really listening to. So first thing is to start listening. Yeah. To, to what, yourself. To yourself. Yeah. Mm. And then it's a matter of understanding where that thought process or that pattern of behavior is coming from. Because mm. if you don't understand where it's coming from, because people go, oh, yeah, I know I always do this. You know, I know I always eat too much because I'm comfort eating. And well, where is that coming from? Because it's not until you understand where that first initiated. And it might be something tiny and seems silly, like when you're a little kid that mm. you're the little you decided, like for me, it seems ridiculous that I decided this thing that 
mm. I wasn't worthy. As but that was that's all little fee could process at that time when she was seven or eight or whatever <laughs> age it was. So once yeah. you understand where it's coming from, then it gives you an ability to separate the adult you, the now you, from the child you, whatever it was that had occurred, and understand mm. that that's not the reality now. Yeah. Right, and then yeah. you can change the conversation that you start to have with yourself, and then when it starts to come up again, you can you go, can. "That's all right. I know that that's what you believed then, but I know this now to not be true." Mm. That's just such a practical, wonderful thing to do. Mm. So, yeah, and uh, and I agree with you. I think the journaling is a really good idea. I don't mm. do anywhere near enough. I think that's, that's such a great thing to do because then you can kind of, you know, when you write something down that you're thinking about or a negative thought of something or a limiting thought, you write it down it just becomes so concrete and so front of mind all of a sudden that it then enables you to address it if it does come up again. So, yeah. I've been journaling consistently now for a while and I have to say that like I was doing it on and off, on and off, and but never really having a system behind it in terms of it being consistent. Mm. And by doing it daily and having a daily routine and practice around it, I cannot even begin to express the breakthroughs I'm having and the spiritual involvement that's taking place. Like mm. it is just crazy how I'll be journaling about something and exploring an idea and I always, like you were saying, you you, you might start with something that's more of a low-level energy or a negative thing or a self-set, but then I bring it back into like the high-level positive energy and then the next minute, I'll, like I was writing about acceptance the other day mm-hmm. and um, this is all about the the going with the flow of life and surrender and I was I was really exploring this idea of acceptance and then I picked up a book and the chapter that I was up to, the title of that book was Acceptance, Acceptance and More Acceptance. Oh, my. How <laughs> funny so is bizarre. that? Like it just, Isn't boom, it? there's universe going, yes, you're on the right track, right? Keep going in. And then I um, I just bought this book here, Letting Go, and I got mm-hmm. it, um, bought it from amazon.com.au. And, <laughs> um, and then I opened the book, just mm-hmm. indiscriminately opened the book and the chapter was on acceptance. <laughs> it's like, okay, I get it. All right. Yeah, this, is, okay. this is obviously, you know, but I just find with the journaling, it, it it's, I just write intuitively. It's not like I have a plan or a system around it, but then mm. that as you really sort of get into that intuition, then all these things, the serendipities and the synchronicities start showing you, yes, you're on the right track. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'll tell you the other great thing about journaling for me, and this is totally unrelated, it's totally off topic, but because I don't write very much anymore, I'm always typing. My mm. handwriting has just been terrible. So getting back into journaling, it's actually started to improve again. So I can actually yeah, read it. Yeah, well, there's yeah. that. But the studies also show that when you journal with a pen on paper, mm. you're actually connecting the body to the the mind, the energy, oh. and it's you're actually cre- um, creating synapses that you don't create when you're typing. Interesting or dictating or whatever mm. it is. So it's that physical act of writing pen to paper, which, as you say, is is almost becoming extinct these days. It like, is. <laughs> it, it's, it, how often do we pick up a pen and put it to paper? So mm. there is a lot of power and strength in wiring the brain mm-hmm. when you're physically writing with a pen. I couldn't agree more. Mm. I have a confession to make as well that I'm still a kind of a two-finger t- two typer. Like I'm so inefficient. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could touch type. I just sort of went through that that little area where, you know, computers were just coming in but yeah. we were still anyway at school and stuff. And, yeah, because you know. we weren't properly, we weren't taught to properly type 
in our, no. our generation, weren't we? Like you say, mm. they were just coming in at the end of my school life as well. Yeah. So my typing is very much, yeah, people laugh at me when I text because I do it with one, <laughs> one finger. <laughs> that looks really awkward. How are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right at the top of the show, you were talking about I wanted to build an asset, something that I could sell and exit. Um, mm. Where are you at in that exiting kind of journey or, or is that on hold for now? Look, last year I had a very substantial offer uh, on the business, and I think that was around it was around the time of yeah. the collective, actually, mm. which you'll recall. And and I was struggling with cash flow, and I was struggling mm. to manage the business on my own because it was getting too big, and th- and so that was the reason why I was considering selling. Um, and for several reasons, I I chose not to sell it, but then I had problem to solve and which was mm. cash flow and um you know building this business out in terms of team yeah. uh, and so i managed to solve that by bringing investors into the business um and i've been working with them now since about 12 months yeah uh, with the goal of doing a 24 month exit wow yeah How so that- this this year has potentially pushed that back a little bit because we've had that dip and obviously you need 12 months of good books mm. so we might be back you know six months depending on how long it takes us to recover but um mm-hmm. definitely the plan is to exit um and then i want to do it all again i've already got another brand <laughs> <laughs> well that was one of the other things that came up in the collective as well particularly from darren and michelle beecham who mm. built their first business i think it took them about six years to exit that one i think yep. they from memory, they started that in what 2013, somewhere around there. I think they were ASM two or something. Uh, and then, and now they've built and sold multiple businesses yep. in for seven figure exits each. So you know, it's once you've got that under your belt, and you know the process, yep. And yep. you know how to do it. Yep. I really love Darren's overlap. Like, you know, six months or so, or even eight months before he sells a business, he's already starting the new one. Yeah, well, that's know? that's what I've done. I've already yeah. got the other the brand. I've trademarked it. I already know what my initial product range will be. Wow. Um, so, yeah, and because I prepared that when I was going to sell this time uh, so earlier last uh, year. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I was doing exactly the same thing. And, you know, the wonderful thing is, you know, once once you understand what works, what doesn't work on Amazon, you can apply that to just about anything. And so mm. um, I was chatting with um, my friend Georgia, who's also an Amazon seller. She's also done a seven-figure exit. Mm. And we were both saying, you know, that, the issue is almost what to choose because once you know how to spot opportunity, you yep. see opportunity everywhere. It's it's like training your brain to think differently. And I will tell you a story. Um, when I was still teaching and I was trying to work out how to get out of um, teaching and I had no idea about business. I've never worked for business, never mm. dreamed about business. And I heard this lady say on stage, one of the hardest things about being an entrepreneur is knowing which opportunity to, to choose because there's so many. And mm. I remember sitting in that audience that day thinking, I just want to see one opportunity and I can't even see one, you know, <laughs> yeah. because my brain hasn't, hadn't been trained at that point mm. to, to spot these things. And I, and I just couldn't relate to her. I couldn't understand how she's thinking there's so too abundant. many opportunities. Now, mm. 12 years later... <laughs> Yeah, um, my brain has been trained, and I totally get what she's talking about. There are so many opportunities out there. Sure, uh, talk to me about the investors. I'm really curious about how did you how did you find the investors, or did they find you? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I think it was very universal mm-hmm. <laughs> the way that it happened um, because around about that time after um, the Amazon Collective. 
Um, I watched a webinar on that webinar. I heard someone present. They had a solution, um, a Scala, which would help you to systemize mm. your business. I thought, okay, I need to do that. If I'm going to hold on to this business, then I need to um, – the next thing is to, to systemize and get everything out of Fee's head. Mm. Um, and in that conversation, an opportunity was um, mentioned to me. I was mm. then put into another call with another person and then I was put into another call with the, the directors of this other company, the investors, um, and it was Bam. just perfect, you know. Mm. So it, it's – was it that they found me or I found them? I've, I feel that there was a bit of universal flow going on <laughs> um, and it was the perfect solution for me, yeah. That's fantastic. Mm. Very interested in that. Um, no, I don't think I've ever had a guest on the show that uh, that has had sort of external investors. Uh, I'm assuming they're silent investors or they're active in the business? No, they're active within the business. Um, mm. So they have a percentage. I'm still majority shareholder. I still make yeah. all the final decisions on things. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of my biggest... Um, concerns yeah, I would yeah. say uh, was that this is my baby right and mm. and I have a very clear strategic direction as to where I want to take it and I didn't want a situation where I brought other people in and, and then lost the ability to say hey this yeah. is what I want to do with the company they're mm. there as strategic advisors yeah. they're there to help me with um, you know the finance side of things and mm-hmm. to get my business um, systemized um, in a way and help build teams so that when I do go to sell, it is a very robust and attractive business to to to, to put to the market. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You mentioned a team as well. So obviously they're members of the team, but how many other team members do you have? Uh, so there's three at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I have someone managing logistics full-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is crazy to me to think that up until she came on, I was doing it and now she, it's a full-time role for her. Uh, it just shows how far I was stretching myself. <laughs> but, yes. you know, when you think about shipping from China to, you know, practically the whole world mm-hmm. um, and then also managing all the shipments into Amazon, um, yeah. it, it's quite a big job. There's a lot to do and a lot to get right yes. and making sure that our projections are matching what we're ordering, what we're, you know, it, there's a mm. lot. So she's she's... She's in the Philippines and is. Um, she originally started with me in 2021 as a part-time mm-hmm. admin assistant. Yep. And knew nothing about e-commerce or Amazon. And um, one of the most invaluable people in my business. Um, and then uh, I, this time last year, I brought on an ex-Thrasio employee <laughs> who <laughs> who had uh, experience within customer service and brand management and. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw her resume, I, at the time I was looking for customer service because my the girl who um, was already with me and who moved into um, logistics had been doing customer service, so I needed to mm. replace her. And then when I saw the brand management, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, hi. So I snaffled, snaffled her up and once again she is just an absolute piece of gold, um, mm. beautiful, beautiful woman also in the Philippines. Uh, and then I have someone on the content side of things helping with website, blogs, uh, socials, mm-hmm. Amazon posts, all that kind of stuff as well. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so is I've it got an a great all, team. <laughs> yeah, is it an all-female team? Yes, yes. Awesome. I did, did have a project manager come in uh, for six months um, because – 
earlier this year, I was just doing too much. I was uh, there were a lot of projects like you know getting into yeah. the EU, um, the new products that you were working yeah on everything, yeah. and I was overwhelmed. And so we brought we brought somebody you know, a male in, and he helped me in terms of project management to make sure everything was running and running smoothly. So um, that right. was a, that was a role that was needed. Um, but mm. no, now we're sort of through the other side of those projects. We didn't need him anymore. He's <laughs> just got rid of him. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, yeah. Once again, you know, a very invaluable no. person during that yes. period of time. So, that's right. and that's the thing, you know, it's 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 really important to identify where the gaps are or where perhaps you're not you're not particularly strong in an area and bring somebody mm. in to help you Who manage is? those things. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Any last tips and tricks here, Fee, for our listeners out there? Uh, look, I, for me, I think the thing that comes to mind straight away is the resilience that is required. Um, mm. You know, I've 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 seen the highest of highs. You know, last year especially, Chris, I I, I was saying to someone yesterday, it's like you couldn't have written a script for a, a better year in terms of it's everything I touched turned to gold. I remember. You know, in terms mm. of business, in terms of my life, I was jetting around the world and having all these amazing opportunities and people and places and the business doubled <laughs> and, you know, and this year it seemed like everything was sent to challenge me on a personal level, on a, on a professional level mm. and – um, it's really tested my um, resolve and my, you know, in terms of my my personal growth and spiritual growth in terms of how do I handle these challenging times and do I allow that to consume me and what tools do I have in my life to, to get through them and mm, to not mm. be filled with fear or anxiety and losing sleep. So mm. uh, I think that's the thing. If, if I could give anyone a tip is is to make sure that you are, um, learning and doing daily practices that protect you from these times because they're going to happen. You know? Yeah, no matter <laughs> how successful. Life. Yeah, 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 that is definitely yeah. life. And you might be on a roll right now where everything is amazing, but mm. it, it will come a time when you're going to be challenged. As how do you not allow yourself to get knocked off your perch? Mm. And to be able to get through those times, because the great times will come as well. They'll come back. Mm. They sure <laughs> so, do. yeah, how do you do that without losing yourself become, and becoming unwell or stressed? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's super important. Great advice there, Fee. I am so excited to catch up with you again in March next year between the 22nd and the 24th at the Amazon Collective, the fourth Amazon Collective. Mm. And I've just been absolutely entranced. Enchant, enchanted, entranced. I kind of mixed two words together. <laughs> I think we should add that to the dictionary. Good word. Yeah, I just made up a new one. Okay, good on you. Uh, but uh, yeah, just just thank you so much for today and catching up was amazing. And yeah, I just loved hearing your story. And um, thank you. Thanks, Chris. I'm very honoured to be here, and even more honoured to be able to come and share time with with incredible people at their next collective in the mountains. I've seen the location, and wow, we're in for a treat. <laughs> That's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, you are such a superstar. I wish you every success. Let's uh, let's talk soon. Take care. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.